Welcome to That's Deep with Eden and Jess. We are doing part two of Gary Arndt chatting about the meaning of life. <laughs> this, is, this is a special... But with alcohol. Experimental episode. Which is and really yes, how you should have... delve into the things in life that matter. Yeah, this is Chocoli. This is Chocoli from... The Basque region of Espana. Yeah, so um, I discovered this when I was in Bilbao, and uh, the guide I was with told me all about chocolate and how it's grown there and how they export very little of it. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, I, if the the few times I would go to like a really fancy restaurant that had a, had a sommelier or something, I would always try to stump them by ordering chocolate, mm. knowing that they probably didn't have it unless it was like a, a really, you know. And, and they almost never did because, yeah. again, it's not exported. So I went into this place in Appleton. It's a wine bar. And I did the same thing. I decided to stump the guy. It's like, well, do you have chocolate? And he said, yes. Yeah. And I was like, no way. No one ever has it. <laughs> and he had it. So I bought a bottle of it. And that's what happened. Cheers. It's just like every other white wine. I don't think it's radically different than anything else. But it's just kind of a... It's so different. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> no, I agree. It's not. Um, right, it is. It's a white wine. But there is, I think, and I think people experience wine differently in different settings. Do you find that? Or do you kind of like, no matter where you are, the wine tastes the same? It, it's, it's like, it's not that it tastes the same. I mean, there are, there are obviously some differences. But it's like beer or anything else. People are particular to... Could be if it's beer, if it's a certain brand mm -hmm. or a certain brewery or whatever, right. and uh, you just develop a loyalty to it. Mm -hmm. And I think people are particular to things that are from maybe where they're from. Mm -hmm. So this is what they drink in the Basque country because yeah. it's from the Basque country. Yeah. Yeah. Our equivalent would be Spotted Cow. Yeah, I think so. Yep. And why? Because it's from Wisconsin. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's why. They restrict sales of it outside of Wisconsin, too. So you have to be in Wisconsin to get it. Yes. And they've specifically said nothing beyond our border, basically, so that it's a special thing. Yeah. The, the McFleshman's Brewery, they've, I've, I've been there many times where people from outside of Appleton, even from outside the state, have come in because they've heard about, oh, you guys have this beer. Mm -hmm. And whatever, it's along the beer community, if that's a thing. Uh, people talk about it, and so they come in to try it if they happen to be mm -hmm. in town. So I think, it's, mm -hmm. I think it's one of those things. Uh, beer and wine and other things tend to be very local around the world. Mm -hmm. Soft drinks are universal. Mm -hmm. Pepsi, Coke are everywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's yeah. the same everywhere. Yeah. On purpose. Um, but... Uh, with with other but beer is never the same mm -hmm. every place you go has a local beer that is their beer mm -hmm. in Samoa uh, Vilima is their beer you would mm -hmm. never think that Samoa does but they do and so there's a brewery there that also happens to be the coca-cola bottling plant so all of the coke bottles in Samoa are in the same bottles that the beer comes in oh okay just it's a different color but for right. the bottling purposes mm -hmm. and the, the machinery yeah. They use the same thing. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. So, we did not have, this is an experiment, um, we did not have a plan for this episode. We did not have an outline. Yeah, but the last time we talked, we went way we off. We did, we did. We 100% we did, yes. Um, but I did have an idea, just because it's something that I've been thinking about, so maybe a little bit selfish, is <laughs> the... What, why do anything? <laughs> why do anything? I don't understand your question. I am a nihilist. I believe in nothing. <laughs> so that's what I'm talking about. Do you even about, get right? the reference? Like, what is it from? Big Lebowski. Oh, I haven't seen that in ages. Yeah. It's been a while. Were they chased by nihilists, German nihilists? Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, sometimes I do have, like... Walter Sochek's like, say what you will about the tenets of national socialism, but at least it's an ethos. <laughs> so, what is um, the Big Lebowski's idea of the meaning of life? What is he... The, 
because I, I remember the line, the dude abides, right? It's just what, just living to live? For the character of the dude, I would say, yeah. Yeah. Drink white Russians. Right. And uh, just hang out. Right. Go bowling. Yeah. And that was his meaning in life. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think there is a meaning in life. I don't think there's one universal thing you can say to everyone because everyone's different. Everyone's going to find meaning in different things. Mm -hmm. For some people, it's their family. For some people, it's their job. For some people, it's, it's going to be something else. Um, I think you need to find something mm. that gives you purpose, mm -hmm. um, whatever that might be, and that's going to be different for everybody. But I don't think there's any one thing that you can say is like what everyone has to do. Right. And if it would be, it would be so generic and vague that it would be meaningless. Mm. Find mm. happiness, you know, be somewhat of a fortune cookie. Right. And, yeah. and that level of, you know, meaning, which is basically meaningless. Well, find your unique purpose. Right. I enjoy learning, seeing things, and so I traveled. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I enjoy doing that. Um, I enjoy doing my podcast. Yeah. Because I think, not only do I enjoy doing it, but I think I'm one of the few people that could do it. Mm -hmm. I don't think many people could do a show like that. And, uh, and I also think enjoyment and purpose is something that a lot of people are told, oh, you got to be happy. And I don't think it's, happiness is, is mm -hmm. the goal because mm -hmm. happiness is something, you know, there are moments in your life where you're happy. Yeah. I think contentment is more appropriate than happiness mm. you know what i mean I happiness get, is something mm. that you will experience but you can't do it all the time right you would just yeah. be the, the your entire life it was, if it was just happy it would render the it would render all the happiness kind of meaningless mm -hmm. it's the parts in your life where you know some things are just mundane or uh you know boring uh but necessary uh, that make the, the other parts meaningful and happy. Mm -hmm. And so. Yeah. I even think about contentment sometimes. It's, do you, okay, let me ask this. Do you have, aside from learning, and maybe that's the thing, um, where are areas of your life that you want to, or are there areas of life that you want to improve? Yes. I need to lose weight. Oh, okay. Intellectual stuff has never been a problem for me. Sure. Physical stuff always has. Ah. And it's mainly because I've just ignored it. Okay. Uh, I gained a lot of weight during the pandemic. I lost a lot of weight before the pandemic started. Mm. I was down to... I was, I was easily 60 pounds lighter than what I am now. Mm -hmm. And I gained a lot of it back and the podcast didn't help mm -hmm. doing a daily podcast. Right. Yeah. Uh, in the last few months, my sleep schedule has been incredibly screwed up. Yeah. I was getting like four to five hours of sleep a day. I think that really started to affect me. Mm -hmm. And lately what I've been doing, like today I slept for 10 hours mm -hmm. and I just got up when I got up. And so I haven't been as strict about the schedule of releasing the podcast. I was usually very strict about getting it out the door as early as possible. Mm -hmm. But if it's a couple hours later, I've noticed nobody cares. Right. Yeah. It still goes out every day. Mm -hmm. But if I'm killing myself to get it out by yeah. 8 a.m. as opposed to 10 a.m. Right. or 11, it's not really that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. And so if, 10, if 11 a.m. is the new norm and it makes my life a little easier, mm -hmm. then so be it. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, I've, I, I, I need to get back into doing physical things, mm -hmm. and that's always been tough for me. Mm. Just And it, it's not an issue of like, I used to be athletic, believe it or not, mm -hmm. in like high school. Um, I believe you. But <laughs> when I say used to, what I did is I was on the track team and stuff. Okay, but when sure. I, then I went out for the debate team and I realized, well, I'm much better at this. Okay. <laughs> you know, maybe I would have been above average at best at track, mm -hmm. 
not great, mm. but mm. maybe okay. But at debate, I was really good. So I was like, screw this. I'm just going to focus on this, mm. and which was in, in large part a good idea, but I never focused on physical things. Mm -hmm. And that has always been something I, w I wish I had done more of. So I was thinking about contentment and discontentment and that it almost seems, maybe it's just me and maybe Eden, you can speak to this um, for yourself, is there's always a little bit of, if we have a little bit of discontentment in life or in some area of life, then that can push us to make some change or make some improvement. If it's too much, then there's almost like this freeze moment of not wanting to do anything. At least that's how I have experienced discontent. If it's just the right amount, then I'm like, okay, I'm, I don't, I'm not happy with this or I'm discontent with this area, so I want to change it. But if I'm too discontent, then I'm like, well, wh why, what's the point? Yeah, I, I think it's a struggle everyone has to face. Like, how do you motivate yourself to do whatever? Right. For my show, I've talked to a lot of, I, I talked to a podcaster this week who has a very big podcast, mm -hmm. way bigger than mine, a million downloads an episode. And mm -hmm. he was like, how do you do it? And I was like, yeah, whenever people ask me that, because they're so impressed, it's like, because he does like one 30-minute episode a month. Okay. Show has done extremely well. Kudos to him. Uh, and I'm like, well, it's it's a job. Right. You know, most people go to work. Right. They don't, no one says, oh my God, you go to a job and you sit in an office eight hours a day. How do you do it? I mean, I would say that because that's not, I don't do that. I've never had a real job in my life. <laughs> but you get in the system and you get used to it and then outsiders uh, look at it. I think yeah. it just becomes normal for you. Right, yeah. but no one, no one would say that to someone, right, if they, if they yeah. worked in an office. Yet what I'm doing yeah. is in many ways much easier than that. Yeah. So it, it you know, once you've, it, getting started, I, my motivation was, oh, Jesus, I have to do something because it was in the middle of the pandemic and I had lost everything. So that, that provided all the, all the motivation. Right. And then since then, I've just gotten into a routine of how to do it. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, yeah, I, I, can, I can get them out the door. They're not perfect. And this, is, this has always been the thing because I'm literally writing it, recording it, putting it out like within a span of a few hours. Right. I will often have dumb errors. Mm -hmm. Like I just did an episode on Iceland in World War II. And I said that the Faroe Islands was between Scotland and Ireland. And someone pointed it out. I was like, did I say that? Because it's between Scotland and Iceland. And I meant to say Iceland. Uh, and I said Ireland. Okay. Um, it's just one word. Yeah. But I've had enough of these one word errors. Like I just did a thing on uh, the various empires in Persia. And I said that uh, Sunni Islam was the prominent form of Islam in Iran. And it's Shia. Mm, and mm. I knew that. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I said mm. Sunni. Yeah. But I did. And um, yeah. So that kind of stuff, that drives me nuts. Okay. Yeah. Because most of the, the things that when people point out stuff, it, it's always down, comes down to one word. Mm. One word that I accidentally slipped or I, you know, put in and I didn't check it. And there's no one checking my show. So, um, Yeah. Yeah, I was going to ask, like, how, how, did, how do you deal with that and how are you able to just kind of, obviously you continue doing the show, you move forward with you that. But. You said you research, you write it, and record. Is that what you said? Yeah. Those are the three steps. What if you didn't research or write it? What if you just jumped into recording? How would that go? I tried that my very first episode. Yeah. I went five minutes and I was like, this isn't going to work. Yeah. So I, I know about what I'm going to say before I start it. So tomorrow's show that I haven't written this is about the words and phrases that Shakespeare brought into the English language. And he put a, a, a shocking amount of words that you wouldn't think um, into the English language that he mm. was the first one to ever use. Mm. Um, 
So I kind of know what I'm going to say. Yeah. I just need to formally put it down in a script and then read it. And you don't do any of that the day before, typically. You're... Sometimes. Yeah. It's... Um, what I've been doing is just sort of uh, waking up early. I sit down where there's no distractions. I write it, then record it, and go from there. If you did a free flow episode, what would that what would that sound like? It would sound like my question and answer episodes. I do one every month. Okay. And those tend to be even then I'm writing out a script now. Yeah. Because it's just easier. Um, it is easier to write it than it is to do it off the top of your head. And, and the reason is because I'm talking to myself. What we're doing right now, we're having a conversation with each other. Yeah. It's not scripted out. And for, for whatever reason, it's easier to talk to another person. But when you're talking to yourself in a microphone, it's yeah. harder. And I like the first episode I did. So Dan Carlin, I don't know if you're familiar with him. Mm -mm. Very popular podcaster. Okay. He has a show called Hardcore History. He's been doing it like 15 years. Okay. Massively big show. He's like one of the few podcasters that have made it into like the mainstream. He's like been on Bill Maher's show on HBO mm -hmm. and stuff like that. What he will do, he will do, he will put out like a four to five hour episode. And when he records it, he just sits down and he just does a stream of thought. Mm. And he will do many and many, many of these, and then they edit it down, and then the final product, that's what they put out. So okay. he's not scripting it. And I was thinking I could do something like that when I started. And I, I just, there's a reason why he only comes out with like two or three episodes a year. Okay, yeah. And for doing a daily show, that just doesn't work. Yeah. I think the quality would go down if I tried doing that. Right, yeah, that makes sense. Actually, I do have a travel question. Where do you recommend going off the strip in Vegas? How far off the strip? So we're on the strip. So So you're there for a convention or something or no, just for just the hell of it? For, yeah. Like how much time do you got? A weekend. Go to Death Valley. Okay. That's, that's a reasonable driving distance from Las Vegas. You can do that in a day and come back and, and you know, that evening. Um, there are organized trips you can take where they will fly you in a helicopter or something to the Grand Canyon, but that may be a bit too much. I think if you've not been to Death Valley, it's worth seeing. Okay. Go down to Badwater Basin. Sure. When are you going? September. Yeah, it'll still be kind of hot. Yeah. So, um, you yep. rent a car, bring some water with you. Mm -hmm. um, it's 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 a it's a cool experience. Um, that if you have you been there before. To Vegas. No, to Death Valley. No. There you go. Then okay. do that. And Death Valley is an interesting place because it's the it's the lowest point in the northern hemisphere, or not in the northern hemisphere, the North America. Um, Mount Whitney is actually very close, which mm -hmm. is the highest point in the continental United States. Mm -hmm. And so in theory, you could walk from Badwater Basin, the lowest point, to Mount Whitney, the highest point. Mount Whitney is, from what I understand, it's not a challenge. It's not like a climb. It's more like a hike. You can, okay. you can easily sure. do it in a day. Um, so that, that's, that would be an interesting thing to do sometime. Okay. Uh, but it, it's just a, yeah, I, I think you should definitely go if you're there. That's right. a, definitely we worth it. put it on the itinerary. And the reason I ask is how much time is because if mm. you really have time, mm. <clears throat> like you wanted to check out of your room and maybe spend two days, uh, is to go up to uh, Great Basin National Park. Okay. Because that will force you to drive through the rest of Nevada. And most people, when they go to Nevada, they're either going to like Lake Tahoe mm -hmm. or Vegas. Mm -hmm. But the rest of Nevada is truly a wasteland. Yeah. There's nothing there. It's not like driving through Wisconsin. Right. Where it's like, oh, farm, 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 farm. There's humanity, there's civilization, there's <laughs> things and people. No, this is nothing. This is like the so Australian outback. Why, it is completely barren. Why do we barren. want to drive through a wasteland? Because it's an experience. Okay. To see the nothingness. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. it's the only place in the United States where you can truly see that. Like, mm -hmm. it's, it's like when you see a gas station, mm -hmm. you stop at that gas station mm -hmm. because you've got to get gas because... Mm -hmm. If you don't, there's 
you know, you're screwed. And then Great Basin National Park is interesting in and of itself because yeah. uh, the oldest trees in the world are there, the bristlecone pines. Uh, they got some great caves. It's a, um, and it's a place that a lot of people just don't bother to visit, mm. you know, because nobody, nobody experiences that part of Nevada. Okay. Because it's, it's in the middle of, truly in the middle of nowhere. Right. There's yeah. nothing there. And I, li I like the idea of that. That's definitely something that's going to be on my list. Yeah. What's your take on the meaning of life? What's your take on the meaning of life? <laughs> I think Gary answered it well. I, think I it, agree. I think, I think yeah. you get to decide. Yeah. I think it's personal decision. You get to decide what it means. What I, would, it means I would take it from Spinal Tap. I think it was their keyboard player or one of the drummers. Have a good time all the time. Yeah. Yeah. So I think about Dadaism, for example, right? The, you heard my episode the on it? Absurd, I haven't. And I, thought, I just did an episode. Like, That's where I thought I it came like, from. Shoot, I should look, I should look for that episode and, and listen to it, but no, I haven't. But I think about sometimes the the feeling that life just seems absurd. And so that's, I think, where that question comes from. What does that mean? That life seems absurd. Like, yeah, it, it like just seems this... absurd that we should be here doing anything. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just going through a thing. <laughs> I, I think that, statistically speaking, our being here, we won the Powerball. Interesting perspective. That a lot of people think, oh, well, uh, you know, oh, there's probably intelligent life all over the world. I don't think there are all the universe. I don't think there is. Mm -hmm. There may be, but I don't think there's a lot of it. And it, it comes down to a thing known as the uh, rare earth hypothesis, that simple life may be quite common. We may find bacteria cells all the time. And just in the last few days, uh, the, um, uh, the Webb Space Telescope found evidence of more proteins and amino acids floating around in space. Mm -hmm. All these building blocks for life are there and they're abundant. Mm -hmm. But for a billion years, there was nothing more than bacterial life on Earth. Billion years. Nothing happened. There was no evolution. Nothing, nothing greater happened. So there's no guarantee, and, and a lot of people have assumed, oh, once you have the development of life and the spark of life, and then, you know, from there, it's just a, you know, a straight shot to intelligent life. And that's not true at all. There's no guarantee that we would have existed. Mm -hmm. That I, I really do think it was uh, very, very rare, you mm -hmm. know, the, what happened mm -hmm. to us. And if you think of it that way, mm -hmm. um, we, we truly, like, you know, we're a Powerball civilization <laughs> that... There's no guarantee that any of this would have, or could have, or should have happened. Hmm. <clears throat> even I if like you look, that. even if you look at like how long humans have been around, however, however you want to define it, for most of that time, all we were doing is walking around in animal skins, you know, doing figures on caves, and it's only been in a very brief amount of time yeah. that we have. I mean, that, that, and, and when I hear people talking about how horrible the world is, it's like, you are insane. We live, we're sitting here drinking a wine from Argentina with Wait, this incredible technology, talking to people potentially from around the world at zero cost almost. And by almost any measure, life is so much better than what it was just a few decades ago. Mm. And, but the problem is we always focus on what is bad and what's going wrong. We never focus on what is, because once something gets solved, we just move on to the next thing that sucks. What's, what's missing. And, and so yeah. many of the things that people, I'm not, I'm not saying there aren't serious problems in the world. Right. Right. But many of the problems people focus on are like, if you, if you think of the problems like, oh, all of my children are going to die before they're five to, oh no, what did the kid at school say about me on TikTok? That's a big range, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. we're talking about death 
in, in uh, we death was something that was more common several hundred years ago. People died all yeah. the freaking time. Yeah. The reason the population was low because people were dying constantly. Children were dying constantly, mm -hmm. and it was just something people dealt with. Yeah. But you were an age where you could like go and ride a bike, and it's like oh, I'll be home for dinner. My parents had no clue where I was. Yeah. We would go off and do stuff, and kids growing up today who are basically parented by people our age, mm -hmm. um, they're like these helicopter parents and kids are growing up having never had any independence, constantly having an adult hovering over them their entire lives. And a big part of growing up, I was in Boy Scouts. Mm -hmm. We'd go camping, go to summer camp. And I, I went recently to go speak at this uh, thing for a kid getting his, his Eagle Scout and I was talking to some of the adults and like kids are having a hard time going to summer camp mm. because they can't, they've never been away from their parents. They've never been right. independent. Yeah. yeah. Um, so how, so you have kids. How do you I parent? I do have kids. <laughs> Can you talk about your parenting style? Yours and Jenna's? Do your kids kid? walk to school? Uh, and can they? Probably the better question. They both are capable of walking to school, um, depending on the season. In winter, I drop them off. Well, yeah. I mean, if it's super yeah. cold or something, obviously. But um, Quincy bikes to school <laughs> typically. Uh, Paxton morning mornings are rough for Paxton, so getting her dressed and fed and dropped off on time. Um, I drop, I typically drop both of them off. Is there a long line of cars when you pick them up or drop them off? And on pickup is different. They both, uh, Quincy walks and I walk to pick Paxton up. Um, there isn't a long line of cars. Because I've seen at some schools. I've um, seen, yeah. I've seen even like I, I was, I used to live in Hortonville. Yeah. There was like this going all the way out into the street yeah. line of cars yeah. and maybe that's a little different because that's not like a Hortonville's not like a city school it's kind of out in the middle of nowhere but mm -hmm. um even I, I read a story like on the upper east side of manhattan mothers are like dressing up in all their power outfits and everything to go pick up their kids <laughs> because they have to impress the other mothers Interesting. and that's absurd <laughs> yes yes it is because my parents would never, for one, they never like picked me up or dropped me off. That was up to me. Yeah. I'd ride my bike or I'd walk or mm -hmm. something. And I, I can't even remember them ever doing that. I, I do remember when I was five and it was, so the first day of school, first day of kindergarten, my mom dropped me off or maybe it was first grade. Either way, it was elementary school. The first day my mom dropped me off and then the second day she's like, okay, take the bus. And I remember because we were in Arizona, so all the, so every um, classroom was, you went outside <coughs> and then you had to like walk outside to get to the next classroom, right? So it was kind of this kind of maze of a complex. And I remember that second day I could not remember where my classroom was. So I was very upset. I was like, I, you know, I'm, I'm a little kid, so I was crying, and I was like, I can't, and finally, some staff member found me, and, um, and I, and, you know, I explained what was going on that I couldn't find, so I remember that distinctly as being like, oh, I wish my mom would have brought me the, the second day, at least. <laughs> you weren't quite ready. I wasn't. I think it's, so your point is the generational change in parenting and kind of yeah. the sense of independence and letting them letting them do their thing and not being overprotective. And, and the, so getting back to everyone's children dying, the reason I think there's kind of overparenting is precisely because child mortality is so low hmm. that human life had a lower value several centuries ago. The odds of your children dying, the odds of anyone dying, life expectancy was just lower. So they, they made up through, for, through quantity. Birth rates are lower. You have people have fewer children. So you put more energy and effort mm. into the fewer children you have. Mm. 
hmm. which is completely rational. But one of the consequences is that a lot of parents, I think, go overboard and they overprotect their children. Yeah. And one of the, you know, and I think that a lot of people are thinking, oh, they need to have a childhood and play. Childhood really is like, basically, it's preparing to be an adult because that's how you're going to spend your whole life. Mm. And doing things independently and learning those skills. Yeah. Uh, there's a movement in England right now. They, they opened up this place that was like a two-acre lot that's just a bunch of junk, like boards and tires and stuff. And kids can go play there, and there are no adults. They can build fires. They can do kind of dangerous stuff, mm -hmm. hammer stuff and saw mm -hmm. stuff and go nuts without, you know, adults supervising them and build things and create their own, you know, whatever universe yeah. and um i think a lot of that that kind of uh play is lacking mm -hmm. where because everything is so supervised yeah and it's it's just a natural um it, it it's it's kind of an over going too far in that direction but i understand mm -hmm. why people do it i think in general too that maybe we just have a fear especially in the west there we have a fear of death we have a fear of ourselves dying. We have a fear, especially maybe even more so, of other people dying. Um, rather than it being taken as a natural and inevitable part of we, our lives. Having traveled, I get a lot of things from people that they're f like, oh God, are you, are you, be, be safe there, you're going to this place. Never a problem. Mm -hmm. Because what they know, they hear on the news. And the news only talks about bad things. Mm -hmm. There was this uh, woman, Natalie Holloway, I think was her name, who was killed in Aruba several years ago. I don't know if you've been to Aruba. It's a wonderful place. It's not dangerous. Mm -hmm. Something bad happened to this one woman. Yeah. This one time. And that can happen anywhere. Right. The most dangerous thing when you're traveling, statistically, is being in a car accident. Mm. No one cares about that. They're more worried about terrorism or things that are statistically highly improbable ever happening mm -hmm. because that's what they see on the news. Right, yeah. Not almost everyone I know that has had any serious accident traveling did so while they were on a motorbike. Mm. Yeah. Usually in Southeast Asia <clears throat> where they were in some really bad accident mm. that, you know, we're talking, no one I know died, but we're talking broken legs and, and stuff like that. Right. Um, and that's the kind of stuff nobody cares about. Mm -hmm. No one's, uh, no one gets, um, afraid of falling in the bathtub, the shower. Yet statistically, that's more likely to do something to you than a whole bunch of other things people are worried about. Children are getting abducted, very, very rare. Most children who are abducted are abducted by someone they know, a right. family member, yeah. usually a parent who had some breakup or divorce where mm -hmm. someone didn't get custody, and that's usually when it happens. Uh, the odds of someone being abducted by a total stranger, again, extremely low. Mm -hmm. But those events, when they happen, are promoted all over the news. Right. And it creates an inflated sense of concern. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think one of the best things people could do is just stop watching the news. <laughs> and I'm not, I'm not even joking when I say that. Yeah. Uh, I think that there's a, a, there's a balance between being informed and becoming obsessed. And right. there are people that are obsessed with whatever the thing is that week. And there's always something because there's a new cycle and they need to promote something. And everyone gets worked up about something and then two weeks later, everyone's forgotten about it. How do you stay up to date on current events? It, it's very easy to do. Um, there are, I use an RSS reader. I follow dozens of different websites. And every morning I'll be able to see, and I follow things like The Economist, uh, Defense Journal uh, publications, really niche specific things like for the nuclear industry or stuff like that. But what I'll do is I'll look at the headlines. I don't necessarily read everything, mm -hmm. but if it's interesting, then I can drill down and, and actually read it. Mm -hmm. But like if you look at the front page of CNN or right. any news site, the vast majority of it is not news. Mm -hmm. It is stuff about some fashion thing or some celebrity gossip or mm -hmm. whatever, but they need to produce news because yeah. it's a business yeah. and people, people forget that it's a <laughs> business. Weather. There's usually like 
six to eight articles about the weather <laughs> on any news site that you find. And it's like, why is this taking up so much real estate? And it was the worst mm. of the weather, right? The storm coming through or the yeah. heat. The or heat just, right it's going to be a nice weekend, but yeah. said six different ways. Yeah. No, <laughs> you don't watch the news. You don't stay up to date on Twitter. There are these celebrities no. that I see on like a CNN. I'm like, I don't even know who that is. Why am I? Why is this a story? I don't know. Right. And then I like go look them up and like, I still don't know why this person warrants, you know, a mention on a news website. Yeah. I don't get it. Yeah. And I think it's, I, I think a lot of, um, a lot of that's going to change in the next few years as cable television dies. Mm-hmm. Like for example, most of the cable news networks, they don't make their money from advertising. They make their money from the fact that, uh, the cable companies charge everybody a fee and that's how they get it. These carriage fees mm, mm-hmm. and more and more people are leaving cable TV. So they're not getting these fees anymore. And okay. if you, if so the, the number of people watching, I think CNN on a nightly basis is in the low hundreds of thousands. Mm. A podcast mm. like mine, I, I, I'm not getting that many people, but it's a, a good percentage of that. Mm-hmm. And it's, I'm just a dude right. sitting in a, at a desk. That's it. There's no all this money on the producers and the cameras yeah. or anything. Yeah. And there are people out there with far bigger audiences than me that are doing it with just as much of a budget. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, where the world is kind of work going towards. So mm-hmm. I think a lot of that stuff is just all going to disappear mm-hmm. in the future. Um, Eden, you had asked if I keep up with current events. I do not. Um, I hear things mostly from... My husband, Mike. <laughs> but here's the thing, just for the so, sake of argument. Because he keeps up on stuff. <laughs> let's suppose you were completely ignorant. What percentage of the population, let's suppose the presidential election of 2028, we don't know who's running in 2028, right? right? Yeah. We have no clue. Yeah. 80% of the population, you can tell who they're going to vote for. It's yeah. going to be whoever is from this party or that party. Yeah. Maybe more than 80%. So if you already know, if, if that's your, your, your decision calculus, mm-hmm. what is the point of watching the news? Mm-hmm. What is the point of being informed mm-hmm. when the only thing you can really do is vote and, you know, maybe give money or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, if, but if, if, if it's all determined by that, what yeah. exactly was the point? Only 45 to 50% are going to vote in the election. So, right. so you're talking 80% of voters know who they're going to vote. <clears throat> Yeah. Or at least who they say, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. What's the what was your question? What is the point of Well, I mean, it just as a thought exercise, yeah. Yeah, yeah. if most people already know who they're gonna vote for, right? Even if you don't know who the person is, mm-hmm. like I can predict they're gonna vote Republican or Democrat based on how they've always voted. Mm-hmm. You know, what is what is the point? And when you, when you realize it's a business, most of these people, most of these uh, sites are either uh, out to just, you know, rally and anger and upset people, uh, so they'll watch. Mm-hmm. That's, why, that's why Trump has been so great for cable television. Mm-hmm. On either side. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. Yeah. you're either outraged or you're outraged at someone being outraged. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, it's been great for ratings. And he knows it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to talk about something. Please. I'm staring at your tattoo. Oh. You and I can read the thing on the bottom, but I don't sure, know. Sure, yeah. Unjinxed. Unjinxed. So I have a tattoo on my arm, for those <coughs> that are just listening. I have a tattoo on my arm that comes actually from a rap album. Four Fists. Um, called Un- And the song, one of the songs on it is called Unjinxed. And it is explicit. It has explicit language in it. Um, and there's a song that I really appreciate. Yeah. Can you sing it for us? Who? How many bars? I cannot. Who? I cannot. So who, who, who did the song? Uh, Four Fists. And I cannot tell you the name. I don't remember I've never the heard name. of them. I don't know what yeah. they are. Yeah. So... It comes from a short story, actually, so maybe we'll... It sounds like a Wu-Tang Clan thing. Yeah, maybe we'll put that in the show notes. Um, Yes, I will... Okay, so, all right, so that's what it is. 
then there's a jump between, okay, that's what it is, yes. and I'm going to get a tattoo. You're going to get a tattoo. No, I'm asking you, how do you take the jump from, oh, from okay. this song mm. to, I'm going to put that on my body? Yeah. Um, so there, So the song is all about learning how to finally being yourself and being okay with being yourself um, and being authentic with your friends, being, you know, one of the lines is um, 36 years and I'm a goddamn man. Like just this idea that finally I have stepped into who I am and who I want to be in the world. And so it is still an aspiration because I don't think that I've fully arrived in that, that place. But um, the other side of it is unjinxed, just the meaning being uncursed, um, kind of separating myself from certain um, maybe generational trauma or generational habits that have not been useful or helpful to me and then explicit not only meaning right that there's swear words in the song but also meaning clarity being direct being clear um when you're speaking to somebody do you have any tattoos zero how about you yeah that's right you do so talk about your tattoo. I got this in the Cook Islands on the island of Rarotonga. Yes. We might have even talked about this in the first episode, did we? By a woman by the name no. of Stormy. And I have met, in the course of my travels, I've met people from the Cook Islands. And Rarotonga is not a very big, not a big place. It's a couple thousand people that live there. And I told them about my tattoo. And I said, well, who'd you get from? I said, Storm. I was like, oh, yeah, she's my cousin. Because I guess everyone's a cousin or whatever. Nice. Uh, and I actually videotaped the whole thing. And it's on YouTube of me getting the tattoo. Oh, shoot. Yeah, but this is that. the story of my travels in Cook Island Maori pictograph. And uh, she designed yeah. it for me. And That's awesome. So this is a man uh, by himself. And I say, this is drawn to scale. Um, <laughs> The birds represent travel. The mountains and birds up above represent um, faraway places. And the shark teeth represent a safe journey. Mm. I like that. So it's not just your typical tribal tattoo that people get on their arm. Yeah. It was... It's meaningful. Right. Yeah. So if I ever get another one, I'm going to get it from a Haida artist in um, British Columbia. Okay. So Haida art is like uh, the Seattle Seahawks logo. That okay. would be a good example of it. That actually okay. came from a Haida hmm. uh, totem pole. Oh. Uh, but I would get something like that that kind of represents the same thing. Yeah. Uh, a man traveling. Yeah. Something. I mean, I'd let them. Uh, Haida culture is very interesting. And I'm going to do an episode on it someday because they have this whole clan system. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, this is going off topic. So they have, it's ravens and, oh Christ, I want to say eagles, but it's not eagles. It's robins, hummingbirds, eagles. No, I don't think they're both bears. It's like maybe ravens and, and bears. Oh, okay. But here's the thing. So your village might be a raven village. But not everyone is a member of the Raven Clan. It's half of the people are. Mm. So if your mother is a Raven, then all the children are Raven. But the chief, to, for if it's a Raven village, the chief must be a Raven. That means it cannot go from father to son because it's a matrilineal descendant. And you can only marry someone outside of your clan. So a raven cannot this marry like, a raven. Uh, it sounds like Harry Potter a little bit. So a raven cannot <laughs> marry a raven. They have to marry a... God, I think it's a bear, but it's not a bear. Um, but anyways, you have, you have to marry someone else, right? A cheetah. But all your children are... Whatever the mother is. So the chief of the tribe, like if he's a raven, the only way they could pass it down would be through their nephew. They would have to have a sister who would have a son 
and that's how they would pass it down. Mm. But you can never marry someone and... Sounds complicated. It is, but here's the thing. It, when, you, when you look at it from a big picture, it encourages genetic diversity. Because hmm. it's constantly requiring marriages that are swapping between mm. the members of these different clans. Mm. But the clans are not separate. The clans mm. are always intermixed with each other. Hmm. So you could have, you know, everyone in the same family is going to be of the same clan because of the mother. Right. Um, but your cousins and stuff could be of a different clan. Mm-hmm. And people next door could be of a different clan. And that's just, it, it's, it's just a very unique system. Hmm. And there's a lot of things like that, that if you look at some odd, it seems odd to us, right. some tradition, yeah. it turns out, well, well, actually it makes a lot of sense. Uh, so if you even look at like, um, some of the things in the Bible that we would look at, we're like, well, that's dumb. Why, <laughs> why would you do that? But if you're looking at things, let's, let's, uh, assume like, like for what example, okay. like kosher laws, okay, right? Sure. Um, Pigs are, you cannot eat pigs in Judaism and Islam. Mm-hmm. Pigs are monogastric animals. They're not uh, ruminant animals. As a result, and, and there was a, a great episode of Joe Rogan where he's talking to this guy who lived in Alaska, like mm-hmm. way out in the bush in Alaska, and mm-hmm. he basically lived by himself and he hunted. Yeah. And one of the questions was, well, do you eat bear? And he goes, no, bears aren't clean. Mm. And by that, he just meant bears are going to have more parasites. Bears are going to have other stuff in them where if you eat caribou or deer or moose, they're cleaner. Okay. And it kind of clicked. It's like, well, that's kind of what he discovered was kosher laws. Right. In the Alaskan outback that if you eat a ruminant animal, which in the Bible is something that chews its cud, Mm -hmm. uh, because they're, 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 they're only consuming grass and other plants. It's going to be a cleaner animal and you're not, you're, the risk of getting disease is going to be a lot less. Sure. Yeah. Hmm. Um, and, you know, instead of a big religious artifice around it, that, that's kind of, you, know, you could just say, well, you know, cook your food. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> you get to the same end. But. Yes. Um, let's see. Where are we at? How are you feeling? I do want to ask a question because back a little ways, we talked about a little, we touched a little bit on fears. So do you have any fears and what are they? I don't know. There are things that I don't particularly I've been bungee jumping twice. Mm-hmm. Both times I was hesitant to do it, but I did it. Yeah. I don't have any desire to go bungee jumping again. Okay. But if I was put in this situation, I could see myself doing it. Sure. I've never been Like if you were put in, how would, the, <laughs> I'm trying to understand. Here, Gary, now you must bungee jump. Then you would do it. I don't, I, I wouldn't have to do it. I'm sure I could <laughs> right, opt yeah. out. Um, but it's not something I'm going to go out of my way. It's like, yeah, I'm going bungee jumping this weekend. Awesome. Right, yeah. Uh, I've never jumped out of an airplane to like go skydiving. Are you afraid of skydiving though? I or... don't see the point is more the thing. Hmm. I'm sure it would be done in a perfectly safe manner. Sure. And I, I take a, a rational approach, but I also have no desire to really do it. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's not a fear. Yeah. Um, I think that... A lot of fears you can rationally kind of deal with, that if you take a rational approach towards it, there are things I simply don't enjoy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't enjoy large groups of people mm-hmm. at all. I don't enjoy going to see live music. But you're not afraid of it. No, I just wouldn't, have a, I wouldn't enjoy myself. Yeah. Um, I don't enjoy going to large parties. Mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably sit by myself in a corner and, yeah. you know whatever and I can't make small talk and yeah it's very difficult for me to do I would rather mm. get in front of a crowd of thousands of people to talk than I would make yeah, small talk at a party that makes sense that makes sense to me for you um and a lot of that has to do with control 
when I'm up talking to, yeah. to, to a large group of people, mm. they're all listening to me. So. And that's when I'm in a, a social situation, it's very difficult because. Are you then afraid of being out of control? It's not a fear, uh, but I don't like it. You'd rather not be out of control. There are elements in life where you're always not in control. Yeah. That's just, there are things beyond your control. Yeah. Um, but as much of your life as you can control, I think. You want the to better. be able to control it. Yeah. Like I've never had a real job. Mm hmm. Ever. Mm. Um, like by definition. Someone in being in the employment of someone else where they give me a paycheck. Okay. Yep. Like in a real paycheck. Like yeah. with benefits. I've never had a job place. Mm. Like they, they, you have to be there. Yeah. Like I've never done that. Yeah. I had a period of one year when I sold my company and I was under the employment of another company, but I didn't have to do anything. Yeah. Like I would show up at 10 o'clock, make sure everyone saw me. I would go to lunch at noon and never return. <laughs> Until 10 o'clock the next day. Yeah. And so, no one cared because there was nothing for me to do. So I would, and then the two hours I was there, I would just surf the internet. And they were paying me a fantastic amount of money to do this. Yeah. And no one, because no one cared, because there was like no one under me or above me in the org chart. They just like wanted me on the payroll. I'm like, okay. Right. And for a year I did that. So then. With your parents. Go to my LinkedIn page. Go to my LinkedIn page. <laughs> and you will see. Go to Syntegra. Or maybe it's under control data. And look. See what I have listed. And what I said. <laughs> and I literally say. I was on their payroll for a year. I did nothing. <laughs> and I have that listed on LinkedIn. You did nothing. But did did your parents have their own business as well, no. or did they all work for somebody? They, my dad had a job. He worked for the power company. Yeah. Okay. No, there's no history yeah. of entrepreneurship in my family yeah. at all. So you just decided, nope, that's not for no me. No one ever went to college in my family. No one. And eventually, it got to a point where, like, I was, I just did everything different. And when I said I was doing this, I'm like, okay, like I'm gonna travel around the world. All right, that's scary. He's doing his whatever. Yeah. And hmm. interesting. Because you didn't want a regular job, because you didn't feel like you needed it, because you be wanted the, to do your own thing. I would be the worst employee in the world. I don't think I could. Maybe I could, but I would. I, I think I would be. Um, there's this guy I know is a very big company, and I, I've I've done stuff with him. I didn't work for the company, but I was like a brand ambassador. And he had these people that he would call brilliant assholes that he would mm. hire sometimes. And I mm. think I would be one of them. Mm. Mm -hmm. That I just, I can't, you know, there's a way of doing things and the bureaucracy and everything you have to go through. I'm like, well, let's just do this and, and boom, solve the problem. Let's get it done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you can't do that in a lot of places. Yeah. And I can't, you know, most right. people, if you, if you have a, a job, you go to work, you work for someone, how much work are you really doing in the course of a week? I mean, people this are is, just, people discovered this during the pandemic. This is the reason why well before the pandemic, I negotiated a hybrid situation at my job and my boss was like, oh, well, we'll have to put you on, on, uh, hourly instead of salary. And I said, half of your work day you're watching some movie. <laughs> like, why do I need to be here? <laughs> so, so I was able to like do my own business. <laughs> no, and when I've had people work for me, it's like uh, I don't I don't care what hours you work, I don't care where yeah. you work from. Yeah. Uh, there are things that need to be done. How right. quickly you do them are up to you. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I always prefer paying I prefer paying people a salary mm -hmm. than uh, paying them hourly because uh, if, if that means if they can find a more efficient way to do it, mm -hmm. that brings them more, more time. Good for them. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not paying someone to just sit around and be in a chair. Right. I just want yep, stuff done. Exactly. If you can do it efficiently. Exactly. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. That's all I care about. Yeah. Yes. Eden, what are you afraid of? 
You know what I'm afraid of? Yeah, I'm deathly afraid of his glass being empty. Drowning. Drowning? That is a way I would not want to go either. Yeah. <laughs> like, drowning would be the worst. I love, but I love being in water. I Me love too. being I, in water. I'm not a strong swimmer. I love being you, in water. Have you ever gone scuba diving? I haven't. You must. Okay. Um, it's easy. Yeah. Super. I mean, there's some hoops you got to jump through to uh, get certified and everything, but it's really not hard. Okay. It's mostly just learning how the regular works and everything else and some mm -hmm. safety things. Um, but yeah, you should definitely do it because that's one of the, that is, well, it is literally the first thing I did when I started traveling. Mm. I went to Hawaii. Mm -hmm. I went to Maui to learn to scuba dive. Right. And then like okay. the next stop I went, I got my advanced certification and everything else. And because you're, it's, it's a whole part of the world that you otherwise can't see mm -hmm. unless you learn how to do that. Yeah. And this is not the greatest place to learn scuba diving, Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. um, although it can be done. I did it actually in northern Wisconsin. People surf. <clears throat> People surf here. Where? I've heard. I don't know. I got to look it up again. But I've heard of surfers in the, in like... Maybe Lake Michigan or something. If I'm not there's sure. a storm in Lake Michigan, maybe I could see it, but... Yeah. I got to look it up, but I swear to God, I saw some... Like, somebody was talking about surfing in Wisconsin. And maybe, in some maybe places in a, in a maybe river in a where document, there's a standing maybe wave in a could be done? documentary that I saw or something. I know there are people that, like, they went surfing in every state or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think there are places in certain rivers where you can do it if there's mm -hmm. a standing wave. Okay. Um, but... Yeah, we're not. I gotta. It's like there are. You notice how there are no good seafood restaurants in this area? Well, yeah. I know. Like Red Lobster is literally the best seafood restaurant. No. Well, okay, if it's not Red Lobster, what is it? And that's just it. There is no. <laughs> and then, like you said, I get it. I understand why there's no good seafood here. Rye has good oysters. Rye does have good oysters. Yes. Thank Where's you. Where's that? Downtown, Downtown Appleton. Appleton. Right next to the Copperleaf Hotel. Let's go to Rye. <laughs> I'm willing. I'm willing to go, but I guarantee you, they're nothing compared to like Walvis Bay, Namibia. Best oysters in the Okay, well, obviously they're not. Nothing's gonna be like Spain. I had sardines in Spain that were like life changing. <laughs> anyway, fear. Go, Eden. <laughs> I think. Um, like a fear of, of not having impact or a fear of wasting time or energy. Mm. Uh, did you do the thing that you wanted to do? Did you leave the legacy that you wanted to have? Did you have the impact that you wanted to have? Are you doing enough? Did you, did you use or leverage your time on this planet enough? And I think that's a fear of mine. Mm. Um, why does it matter? That's a real question. That is a real question. That's a legitimate. Well, I think people want life to have meaning. That is not a rhetorical question. I think it gets at where you started. Yeah. Did you find purpose? Did mm -hmm. you accomplish purpose? I think I, I think there's tension for me in that because yes, I want to leave a legacy, whatever that looks like. But at the same time, once I'm dead, I'm not going to know what, like, I'm not going to know. So, why does it matter? What aren't you going to know? Who knows what I'll know? I don't know what it looks like on the other side. If there's an other side. But when you're dying, presumably you're on your deathbed mm. and you're dying mm -hmm. and you're looking back on your life and you're saying, wow. So I, I'm going to go I've, with a deep submarine implosion, so it's going to be real quick. <laughs> so I've thought about this. <laughs> Was it quick? Oh, for running, those people who died, yes, I they, believe it was extremely Although quick. they knew they were running out of time for a while, right? I mean, the, the actual death, if, but, but 
at some point they knew no, they were I, in trouble. No, I think from what the um, from what the Navy said, like there was this loud implosion, and at that depth, like it it would be so fast, your your nerves and your brain couldn't even register it. Leading up to that point, did they know they were? In I don't think so. They didn't. From what yeah. I understand, their ship was uh, a carbon com- fiber composite material, which is not what you want for compressive. Yeah. It's very good for tensile strength, not very good for compressive strength. Um, and, and the best explanation was actually given by James Cameron, who knows a lot about this stuff because he's been like down to see the Titanic like 30 times or something. Um, it was kind of a shady thing from the get-go, like the whole sub, um, and then it just reached a point where it failed. Yeah. I think it just mm-hmm. failed catastrophically okay. like that. Okay. So I don't think it was like, oh, we're running out of air. Yeah. No, it was just boom. Mm. What were you saying? Yeah, so, okay. Yeah, so, um, I think my mindset around death and dying if I was dying right now, for example, is I've done the best that I could with the things that I know and the resources that I've had, so I'm okay with it. So I think that's how I would always think. Um, Is there more that I want to do in this world? Of course. But I, I think that's where I would probably land. If I was literally dying right now, I would be like, okay, this is what's happening. These are the things that I've done. Hopefully, everyone that I leave behind will be okay. Hmm. I think I'd be pissed that I didn't do enough. I know, and I think that people would say of you that you have done so much. Yeah, I think that's fine, but yeah. Mm -hmm. I want to do more. Do you want to do more, Gary? Yeah, well, what, what would your thoughts be on that? Did you do the things that you wanted to do? You've done, done a lot. You've a accomplished bit. a lot. You've, yeah. Um, what I want to do is be like Robert De Niro or Al Pacino. And when I'm 80, have kids. Yep. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> Find someone 50 years younger than me. I don't have to deal with parenting for very long. You probably, yeah. I'll pass on my genes. And I think Anthony Quinn had a kid when he was like 84. He's like my hero. Yeah. What about the kid's life? Let's say the kid... Let's say... You'll be yeah. fine. They'll be, be fine. will be, <laughs> be fine. Yeah. But Mick Jagger just had a kid. I'm not worried about Mick Jagger's kid. I am. Okay? <laughs> you want to spend time... Yeah. I, I think I hear what you're saying. I think the argument would be that you want to, to see that kid grow and become an adult and become independent. But Yeah. Gary's like, they'll be very independent because they won't have me... Okay, with their lives. <laughs> I'll do a series of videos yeah. that can be played to them throughout their life. Perfect. Right, here's my advice to you. You're 20. I'm 110 right now. <laughs> <laughs> what would that advice be? Maybe this oh, is I don't the video. Know. Come on. <laughs> I would have to give it some thought, but. All right. What do they say when they're asked about being a father at that age? Do they do interviews? I don't even know. I, I did hear that they were that he had just had a that he just fathered a kid, but yeah. I don't know. I mean, what do you say? Like, why are you having a kid at that age? Yeah, because I can. <laughs> I have a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> 
he'll be set. The, the kid will be set, and I feel like good Mick Jagger is what seventy eight or something, and his wife is twenty seven. What the fuck? <laughs> I can't even handle that. <laughs> See, it's so different. Like, I think it's so different for guys because, like, there's no way in hell I would want to date anyone younger than myself. Like, a hundred percent, no, thank you. <laughs> if I were single, I would be like, no, 39, nope, too young. You haven't lived enough. <laughs> because why? There's a maturity. There's a maturity. The general rule for men is half your age plus seven. Is it? That will take you from puberty <laughs> to death. Think about it. Yeah. Half your age plus seven. You're 90. Can date someone 52. That's the youngest. If you're 40, 27. Half your age plus seven. It works. Hmm. This is works. not your typical podcast. This is but not. it's fun. Hmm. Yeah. And it's fun because of alcohol. <laughs> I don't think it's a hundred percent because of the alcohol. I mean, we have thoughts in our brains that are interesting, I think. I honestly They're interesting give, to me. I give very little uh, brain power to uh, these grand big ideas. Hmm. I am far more focused on the minutia of what am I going to do next. Hmm. So uh, my biggest concern right now is tomorrow's episode. Yeah. And I don't think about the meaning of life or things like that. Yeah. And I think Ever? that... Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you do. And I think that the... So often... You talk, you hear people, they talk, they find, you know, uh, satisfaction in work. And it's precisely yeah. because you're focused on, it makes you focus on the here and now. Yeah. And, you know, people have thought about these big grand things since humanity existed. And I'm not mm -hmm. necessarily sure that anything has ever been resolved. And, well, uh, no. Hmm. Yeah. Um, the purpose of work is staying in the present. Yeah. One of, yeah. Well, yeah. yeah, it forces you to stay in the present. I like that. I like that. I don't do a good job of it, but yes, I like it. I would like to be better at staying in the present. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Gary. Thanks oh. for having us. Thanks for hosting. Yeah. Thanks for coming. <laughs> You're the first people I've had in here. <laughs>